you want to tell us a little bit about your story and how you've ended up with a thing called The Well? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, thank you for welcoming me, guys. And uh, I'm sorry with, with the tissue and the dribbling. Um, but, yeah, um, it's a privilege to really come here and, and just, just talk a little bit about um, my testimony and, and, and how we how we have the well today and uh, when Jed told me about this I said I'll do this, I want to do this uh, be able to come to the church and really talk about uh, how we got to the well and, and how we got to where we are today because without God we wouldn't have what we have, I truly believe that, I truly believe God drives the well it's like I walk a path he sets it and all I have to do is have faith and just walk this path um, and, and things have happened that I don't know how, how it's happened from some lad from Liverpool uh, to suddenly have an organisation that's saving lives right across the North West is just, it just blows me away it's just like how does this happen we still look there you know like and look around and go oh, we're going to come on top any day soon and they're going to say no <laughs> we're going to take it away but yeah um, as you can tell I'm from Liverpool I'll try and slow down because the Scouse accent, apparently we talk too fast. Uh, so Just because you're excited, though. Yeah, maybe. And, and, and Andy's here to interpret. Uh, yeah. if, if <laughs> and yeah, people are like, Andy? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he will interpret if, uh, if, if you can understand me. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I was from, I'm born from Liverpool. Uh, grew up in a, a dysfunctional family from uh, physical abuse, mental abuse, emotional abuse, neglect, poverty. Um, it was a really rough upbringing. There was a sexual abuse outside the home. Um, you know, I grew up with a, a self-hatred for myself. Um, didn't like who I was. Uh, didn't think anyone else liked me. Didn't feel loved. Didn't feel wanted. Um, so I always tried to get out the home to feel fulfilled uh, around my peers and around uh, other 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 things to to escape from me. And I never had any uh, relationship with God growing up. They forced us to go to church or, uh, from school. We went to a Catholic school and we had to go for an assembly. And it was like, what the hell are we doing here? Um, it was big St. John's Church, you know, the old-fashioned church. And it, it was miserable, uh, absolutely miserable. So that was my only uh, relationship with God. But when I, when we, I moved from uh, where I was born in Cantrell Farm to Kirkdale and it was then like, it, it, you know, my life started to take a different turn because in Cantrell Farm, it was surrounded by woodland. It was a council estate and we only had a mobile, a, sh- a van, which was a shop, what sold milk and your basic um, things, household things. And then we moved to Kirkdale and there was big lights and uh, there was a lot more going on. And uh, my instead of playing in the woods and, and in the farmhouses, I ended up playing in the shopping centres and burgling buildings and burgling shops and getting in and out of shops just for fun and entertainment and then soon you know I fell into substance at the age of 12 and it was it was an escapism for me I didn't know I was looking for an escapism I didn't know I was looking to try and hide and suffocate the pain the insecurity the vulnerability I felt inside so when I found that drug it took it all away well, it didn't take it all away. It, I didn't give a crap after that. It was like, mm. who cares? Because it suppressed any feelings of, of negativity. It took it away. 
and, and for over 25 years, that was my life. I never stopped taking drugs from the age of 12 until the age of 34. Um, I didn't know any difference. Um, and if you're taking drugs, you need money. And if you need money, you need to commit crime. Uh, and I started committing crime at the age of 12. Um, by the age of 16, I, I got my first prison sentence. Um, and, and I was just on this conveyor belt year after year after year. They, they call it a prolific offender, uh, an habitual offender. Um, and... You know, I went into prison, I took drugs in prison, I come out of prison, I took drugs out of prison. I did not know how to function in, in, in society. Um, and, and I never really had any love for myself or like for myself. I didn't even like my own family. Uh, I'd always look at everyone else and want what you had. I would look out my window and think, oh, look at that family there. How did they just walk around and be normal? Because we never sat and had a meal together. We just got our scran and we just ate it where we ate it. Um, so when I, I remember the Bristol advert, you remember the Bristol yeah. advert? Uh, it was on a, it was a Sunday Sunday roast, wasn't it? Yeah. And yeah. all the family was sitting down the table laughing. I thought that's full of crap. That 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 doesn't really happen. Your <laughs> family sits around the table. It looks awkward and weird to actually have a conversation with your brothers and sisters and and be joyful. It was just it was my even Christmas Day. You got up, well, you sneaked up at three in the morning when your mum and dad had gone to bed, get your presents, and that was it. You'd go back to your room and crack on with your day. There was no real family love and connection and bonds and, and you know and you know in, in terms of God yeah, I remember getting locked up in prison so the only time I screamed out for God is when I got locked up and I said if you get me bail today I swear I'll stop robbing I swear I'll go on the straight and narrow I didn't know who I was praying to I didn't even know it was praying at the time but I would every time I got arrested I'd go oh get me out of here get me out and he'd let me out and I'd be grafting in there two yeah. hours later and I forgot who he was got him <laughs> so um, yeah that's just that just continued um, until my last prison sentence in 2004, I got four and a half years and was sent to Walton Prison, taking drugs in there. And he said, do you want to go to this prison in, um, in Lancaster? It's a, it's a rehab. I've never heard of a rehab. I didn't know what a rehab was. Um, I've always, every time I've gone to prison, uh, I've got into fights, uh, fighting with prison staff, fighting with cons. I've lost all my prison time. So I just thought, well, I'll do a year there. I'll go down south and do a year there and then come back and I'll get out and I'll go to a concert. I'll do this. It never, ever done. You know what I mean? You make plans, but they never, ever happen. So they sent me uh, to Lancaster Castle. Um, uh, I walked in and seen a number of people who had committed crime with, who had took drugs with. Um, and... One of them said to me, look, David, there's a new way. No longer do we have to suffer a life of addiction and crime. There's another way. And I thought, wow. I said, well, let's sort this out because I can't live with me. It's like my mental health, the torture, the self-hatred, everything could do. My mind's there wanting to put me down. I constantly, you know, think people are going to attack me or take something from me because that's all whatever happens. People just took things yeah. from me, do you know what I mean? Emotionally and mentally and, and physically at times. Um, and he said, trust me, he said, there's, there's a new way of life. So I said, right, I'm going to commit to this program. And it was a 12-step program. I said, I'm going to commit to this program. 
And the only way they're going to get me out of this program is they kick me off. And I made a commitment that day I was going to do it. Um, but And the lads started to go to the church on a, on, a, on a Sunday. So I started to go to church in prison. And they gave me a Bible to read. Uh, and Carolyn Woodcock, who was the chair of the well, by the way, um, uh, gave me this Bible to read. And I started reading this Bible, and, and, and I'm in a dorm, by the way, with eight other cons in the dorm, do you know what I mean? And um, I started reading this Bible, and I was thinking, freaking God, what's, what's all this all about? I said, if you're there, why don't you just show yourself, like, you know, why don't you just come instead of all this secrecy and all this, that and the other? And it was like, go on then, if you're there now, come into my life right now. <laughs> and I tell you what, God, there and then, come into my life. Right there and there in the prison, lying on my bed, I believe the Holy Spirit come into my life, um, and it's it's something you can't explain. It's like there's there's there's, there's it's a feeling, but it's not a feeling. <laughs> it, um, something physically happens to your body, and it was like for for one moment, it was like I just got a little half a percent of, of what it would be like to, to be in heaven and, and, and to be totally free and, and um, just sitting in the Holy Spirit and that's what happened to me and God come into, into my life that night and, um, when I was in that dorm and I accepted him into my life I didn't know what I was accepting and then I woke up and the next day I went to bed and, and woke up and um, I realised that I went, I went, I didn't need some, didn't become honest overnight. I didn't be, stop becoming manipulative. I didn't stop becoming Jack the Lad. And I realised that God doesn't just take you from one point to the next and say, now, you, you know, you were, you were rough as toast, dishonest, manipulative, now you're not. Because that doesn't work. I don't believe that works. We have to go on a journey. And I believe he blessed me with the 12-step program to go on a journey because the struggles and the pain that I went through Mm. has made me who I am today. It's made me this strong person that I can deal with things and then pass a message of recovery because I had a lot of crap I had to deal with. And Jesus said, we don't put new wine in old skins. We need to empty, we need to... The, 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 the dishonesty, all the, the uh, manipulation, the self-hatred, we had to deal with that. And we had to empty that in order for the spirit to grow within us. And I truly believe, I went through a process in that prison where I looked at the sexual abuse, I looked at the physical and the emotional and the self-haters, and I went through a process. And it was very, very painful. Sometimes I was on my bed in the fetal position, crying my eyes out. And, you know, uh, sorry for swearing, but I usually call it the F attitude. And what I mean is F society, F life. I'm going back to what I know, drinking drugs. But it was like, I, I, I went through that process. And I'm a better person for it. You know, I am one of them people. If, if you say that's a chair... I need to touch it, I need to see it, and I need to sit on it, because I'm very suspicious, because I think everyone is out to get me, so, you know, I need to see the evidence, and God showed me the evidence, because he removed the obsession to use, 
No longer did I want to use drugs anymore, but I smoked like a trooper. And I thought, and the, and the reason, it was very, it was very like, it challenged my ego why I stopped smoking. Because I was in prison and they do this bleep test in prison. Oh yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and, and, I, and I was competing against this other scouse lad. And he beat me in this bleep test and I was like, <laughs> and I thought, I can't have this. So I tried to stop smoking. So I put a patch on my arm, I put one over my mouth, put one on my forehead. Boom, next day I was smoking again. I'd try again, I'd put two on my mouth, two on my forehead. Every time I'd smoke, and I was one of them people who smoked and put half a ciggy next to my bed. So I'd wake up in the dark and it'd be like, hey. and I'd have a ciggy and go, and I thought, I need to pray. I need to pray into this. So I said, what I'm going to do, I'm going to pray for five days. So I prayed on the Monday, Lord, I want to stop smoking on the Saturday, on the Tuesday, on the Wednesday. And Saturday morning I got up and I said, I'll just have one little sly one, God, just for it. So we had a sly smoke and I put a patch on and went out my pads and went on with my day. And I come back to my cell about three o'clock and I got in my cell and I took the patch off and I went, I know I am never going to smoke again. I don't need that patch. I don't need nothing because God has removed that obsession to smoke. In half a day, I knew that God had come into me and removed the obsession to smoke. And I have never smoked since. And that's been over 17 years. I have never took a drug since and I drink. And that's been 17 years because I surrendered to God. And God gives you the ability and the power to overcome. And, you know, I've seen where... People will say, oh, um, you know, God's going to do this. But the best, the best sermon I heard was, um, put legs on your prayers. Don't just sit yeah. there and expect God just to, to do it all for you. There was a, have you heard the footprints in the sand? Yeah. Okay. So there's another version of that. So there's, there's, there's the footprints in the sand and then there's a, there's a hole like a, a dent in the floor. And the fella turns around to God and goes, God, I really get it where you picked me up and you carried me through the storm. But I don't understand what this dent is in the ground. And he said, that's where I dropped you on your ass and said, get up and start doing things for yourself. <laughs> so, <laughs> We have, to, we have to put the work in. We can't sit there and do nothing and expect God because we don't learn from it. We don't grow as people. We've, we've got to grow as soldiers and, and as strength. And he ended up getting released from prison. And I really wanted to show a beacon, a lighthouse, where people could get well, where people could break free. Because I believe God's blessed me with the ability to connect with people to relate with people, to inspire people, to motivate people. And he gave me a vision and he gave me an idea. I had no money, no blueprint. People saying he's just an ex-offender, he, he won't do this, he'll be back at it and stuff like that. You know, and uh, I had to put my own money in. I started working as a recovery worker, so I put my own money in to pay for the building and it was like, well, what is it you want to you wanna create? What's the name you want to do? call it and I wanted to call it the well and the reason why I wanted to call it the well 
Because in any village, yeah. if there's not a well in that village, and if your community is not surrounded by a well where you can go to the source of power, then it won't survive. So in our communities, we need to drink from the well. We need to get our power through fellowship, through connection, because the, the, the very foundation of, of uh, fellowship with, with, with God and having God in your life is the fellowship, is the community where we become accountable to each other. Because who you have it with, it talks about being wrongly yoked. If I knock around with someone who takes drugs, I am going to take drugs. The research says, if your friend is divorced, you're more likely to get divorced. Especially if they're showing their divorce and they're, and they're having a fun time. The research says, it's more likely. So if you're around someone who smokes, you're more likely to smoke. So if you're around people who have got faith and only want to put love into your life, then that's what you will become. And that's the importance of fellowship and connection. And that's what we built after well. We we create families because I didn't feel a part of a family. So I wanted to be, create like a family where we're, we're, we're connected. We have them family values. We have them family principles where we feel loved. Because when people come into our door, we'll say, we will love you until you learn to love yourself. And you will have a life beyond your wildest dreams. We're not making this up. Because we live it. We live it and breathe it. And we need to stay connected. And you need the power. So my gift is the crap that's in. Let's work on that. And build you up. So the power can come in. And then you choose your power. I, you don't hear me coming and saying, I, I, I've got God in my life, get to church. My baton, this is a relay. And I'm doing the first run. Because you've got no roof over your head. No food in your belly sometimes. No clothes on your back. Self-hatred. Don't feel like you belong. Well, that baton will help you with all them issues. We'll help you with the uh, sexual abuse, emotional abuse. We'll get the right people in order for you to tackle that. And then we pass that baton on. And then it's someone else turn to, to, to input into your life. But, you know, it's great to be here and it's great opportunity to be able to come in this building and, and, and work. But what we've built and what God's built, I don't know how, we just don't know how it happens. It's, it's like, just have some faith. Even in the storm. Because if you ask the question, what is it you want me to get from this? When you feel in your darkest place, when you feel like the world's against you, just sit and have a moment and a prayer and say, what is it you're trying to teach me? What is it you want for me to get? Because there's a message in it and it's building you and it's making you a stronger person. Because if I didn't go through what I did in the prison... I don't believe I'll be here because many people who chatter cracker, who come from up here and not here, it's got to come from here. You've got to connect this and this here. And always ask for the learning and the teaching. What is it you want me to get? And you will get the answer.
David, listen, thank you so much for sharing your heart and part of your story. And it's only part of your story because you're only a young man. Sorry, you only asked me a, one question, didn't you? I went on a tangent. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why I'm kind of thinking, I wish we had more time, but we'd love for you to come back uh, and share more of your story. And, you know, as you're sharing, there's a, a verse in the Bible that I absolutely love. And it talks about, um, when Jesus said, about, let the man who was a thief, let him be no longer a thief. But I love that it doesn't just stop there. It goes on to say, let him who used to steal, let him put his hands to use. Mm. And it's a, it's a story of, well, it's my story, it's, it's anybody's story. Whatever our hard bit has been, whatever our weakness has been, God wants to turn that around and make it our strength. Absolutely. So God is a God of opposites. And no matter your brokenness, no matter our story, because we're all a bit messed up, we're all a bit broken, God wants to turn that around fully. So what's exciting is, friends, from the start of March, I think now, this upstairs space is going to be used Monday to Friday as an expression of the well, seeing and helping people find life. How cool is that? And this is James's fault. Yeah. James's fault. <laughs> so, what I'd love for us to do now is for us to stand up, and I'd love for a couple of people to pray... For the well. I mean, I think, like I've had chat with you, it's going to be a bit messy as well. Because I'm messy, we're all a bit messy. And so we need to pray for sweet relationships, but we need to just pray more and more that this will just be a well in every sense. Like, like David said about a well, people just coming to find life. So would two or three people pray for this next season for us? That'd be amazing.